Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money, all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify, and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since we discovered Spotify for Podcasters, we have added question box to hear our community's thoughts on our episodes, polls to ask questions on what they think, and so much more. We highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. Hey everyone, estás escuchando a So Violento, So Macabro Podcast. Yo soy Ali. Y yo soy Di. Y hoy Di hablará de un caso que ocurrió en Vigo, España. El amor puede causar sentimientos hermosos entre la pareja, respeto entre uno al otro, cariño y la libertad de ser uno mismo es la base más importante de una relación. ¿Pero qué pasa cuando el amor se convierte en obsesión? O tal vez uno tiene posesividad sobre la persona y poco a poco cruza la línea al acoso. En el caso de hoy hablaremos sobre el crimen machista hacia Ana María Enjamio Carrillo en Vigo, España. Advertencia. La información de este caso puede ser desencadenante para algunos. Tenga en cuenta que algunos de estos casos pueden involucrar menores de edad, abuso, violación o violencia. Escuchen con precaución. Warning. The information on this case can be triggering to some. Please be advised that some of these cases may involve children, abuse, rape, and violence. Listen with caution. Ana Maria Enjamillo Carrillo was born in 1991 in La Coruña, in Galinda, España. Her mother, Salandilla, and Jose Enjamillo describe her as a very social, gorgeous girl who was into fitness and was very hardworking. She also was very reserved when it came to her relationships. Her youngest brother is also Diego Enjamillo, a recognized soccer player from the Arzuro soccer team in Galicia. The family was really loved in Galicia. The town really describes them as being a very loving family. They were um, always being like 
very sweet to everybody in the community. They really appreciated him. And like, since the the brother um, plays soccer for the the town, um, the family was really well known in that specific town. At the end of 2015, she graduated with a degree in engineering from the University of Vigo with an internship in an automobile um, factory. By 2016, she was hired by the factory and uh, resulted in living with a co-worker and uh, another student from her same university um, near her job. During this time, she also bought a brand new car that her boyfriend at the time, Samuel, had convinced her to buy in order to start her new life in the, in, in the city. After dating approximately seven years, Anna decided to end her relationship with someone. For her parents, this, set, this seemed um, a little bit off of what she they were used to seeing her with because she's she's been dating him for so long. Seven that years, that's It's a very long, long yeah. time. Mm-hmm. So they found it odd that she broke up with him when she started working at this factory when she actually had a stable job. So they were like kind of thinking well you know she's she's probably growing into a new etapa in her life and then um she's probably you know trying to meet new people and like be out there the relationship. And, and, yeah exactly mm. so okay. they, they they kind of accepted the fact that she ended her relationship but they also found it odd that um the way she started to act after the ending of the relationship so keep that in mind okay around february 2016 she initiated another relationship with a 30-year-old man that was named Cesar Adrio Otero, a co-worker who worked in the same factory. He was also an engineer. Mind you, she was an intern, and he was in a higher position. Uh-huh. So they met while she was an intern at this place. So when she finally got hired by the company and they started interacting more often... They began a relationship. Cesar was also known to um, have a wife and two kids. During this time, he had told Ana that he had split up from his wife, Raquel. Of course. And uh, they had been separated for a while already, um, but they haven't been legally divorced. Eyes rolling. <laughs> exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. According to his ex-wife, Raquel, Cesar left his home on January 16, 2016, and moved in with Ana that same month. During this time, he also asked Raquel for the divorce in order to proceed his relationship with Ana. The people that worked within the factory with them already knew that they had seen each other way before January. So basically, he was still married, dating this younger girl, and... They kind of their relationship kind of fluctuated in between her breakup with Samuel and his divorce with Raquel. So they were still seeing each other in a relationship type of way while they're still in with someone else. Yeah. Amigos de Ana describen la relación entre los dos como que si fuera muy turbulenta. Eh, siempre los describían que por una cosa o la otra siempre estaban peleando. So, mind you, they had just started dating. So, they just described that the relationship was very toxic with one another. Um, ellos describen que Cesar era alguien bien posesivo y obsesionado. Y siempre quería que Ana estuviera con él 100% del tiempo. So, 
wherever she was at. She didn't want her to socialize with anybody. She didn't want her to make friends. He didn't want her to be with anybody that is not him. Wow. So he was really possessive with her time and with her. Mind you, they already lived together. They worked together. And even when she wasn't with him, he still wanted her to be with him all time. At every moment. That, that relationship went like from zero to a hundred, like real quick. Like Exactly. They weren't dating, dating, and they move in together. Yep. And then it's, wow. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Cesar. He was he on was, it. He, it, uh, according to his friend Ruben, he said that he was in love with her. And she was a goddess. That's how, that's how he described her. So you can only imagine the type of, like, glorification he had for her and the obsession he had for her i mean it's great when something i mean he loved her and he saw her as a really i mean great but i mean we're talking about true crime cases so when someone says this yeah you don't take it that way like oh he was being sweet no no he was being possessive yes yeah exactly um describieron que él nunca fue uh, violento con ana he was very Um, verbally abusive, but never physically. physically. Hmm. Um, y Ana nunca reportó el crimen. So she just kind of like brushed it off. Kind of like, whatever. Like, it doesn't, yeah. yeah, it doesn't, like she, she didn't find a point to make a report against him. Because it wasn't physical. Yes. And, you know, it, lo, lo cuentan como si fuera eh, peleas entre parejas. So she thought the authorities aren't going to do anything. It's just an argument between a couple. So it wasn't going to be like kind of get like it's proven in court basically. Lo que sí mencionaron es que César no quería que Ana socializara con nadie. Absolutely nobody that wasn't him. So his obsession reached an all-time high when he would stop her from talking to her friends, talking to her family. It got to the point that she just didn't want to be in the relationship anymore. Uh, después de seis meses de estar con César, ella lo votó. Ella no quiso nada que ver con él. Y en ese tiempo se mudó de la casa, de, de, del apartamento que tenía con César, al apartamento con su coworker and um, the student that I mentioned earlier. Ella dijo que no quería tener nada con él. Se fue, lo dejó. Y esto solo causó que Cesar se obsesionara por ella más. Entonces, él iba cada día a su apartamento a reclamar y a rogarle que Ana regresara con él. Le decía que viniera de regreso al apartamento que él, él la adoraba, que él la quería. Y ella no quería nada con él. She already knew what he was, like, capable of. So she didn't want to be with him at all, ever again. En julio del 2016, eh, ella reclamó que la relación no era lo que ella esperaba entre César y ella. Especialmente de, de, de la edad que tenían. Ella tenía 29 años en este momento. Y él tenía 38. Entonces ella pensaba, voy a estar con alguien mayor, va a ser más maduro, va, you know, it's going to be a different lifestyle. Emotionally And, stable. Yeah. 
Yes. That's what she expected. And, no. and it just turned out to be the complete opposite. También César le empezaba a reclamar cuando salía con sus amigos. So if she would go out for the weekend with a friend, he would be there the next day diciéndole con quién saliste, con quién estabas. Eh, well, they weren't dating anymore. They he weren't would dating still anymore. question her. But he was so obsessed Boy. with her that he would go the day after they that uh, the day after she would hang out with somebody. It could be a girlfriend. Doesn't yeah. even have to be a boy. She he would be at the apartment the next day questioning her about every single thing that happened in that day that she went out. Stalker, like yeah, a major wow. stalker. Poco a poco después que cortaron, Ana re regresó con su exnovio Samuel. Esto enfureció a César. Él empezó a reclamarle a Ana que ella tenía la culpa de que se, su matrimonio fracasó. Le empezó a echar la culpa que su familia se desvaneció por su culpa de Ana porque ella vino a su vida y... Basically telling her, you made me break, up, break off my marriage. You broke off my family. You, you ruined my life, basically. Rubén uh, también le contó a las autoridades que César le había enseñado una aplicación que él tenía de Ana, para Ana. Esta aplicación era eh, para investigar qué estaba haciendo cada ratito. Her whereabouts, who she was texting, who she was calling, um, you know, who, what kind of things she was online. So it's basically a stalking app that he was control of in, in his phone. He said that any little moment that he had with Ana, he would steal her phone. And, like, check her messages, check her accounts, check anything about her. And that's when he applied that app on her phone to completely track her without her even noticing. Wow. Yeah, he was obsessed with her. Um, aunque Rubén trató varias veces de decirle a César que se tenía que olvidar de Ana, que tenía que rehacer su vida, que... Okay, you know, to let, leave move her, on. to yeah. move on, to be, to, you know, to try dating somebody else, you know. Están en España, hay varias muchachas lindas allí que él puede conocer a alguien. Pero él estaba obsesivamente obsesionando con Ana. Y le dijo, si ella no va a estar conmigo, no va a estar con nadie más. Basically saying, if it's with me, or me, or no one else. Yeah. So, esto... Le causó a Rubén que pensara que César tenía capacidad de hacer algo más violento de lo que ya... Yeah, with that comment, it's like, come on. Yeah. You know something is, exactly. is happening or it's about to happen. Yes, exactly. During one of their work trips, uh, César stole Ana's phone again. And in one of these okay Oh, yeah, they were still working together. Yes. So I'm going to tell you, <laughs> yes. Wow. So according to um, different articles, the reason that Anna never left her position at this firm, well, at this automobile factory, is because she had a really well-paying job. Hmm. It was like her first job out of college. It was her first real like grown-up job as an engineer, and she was getting paid really well. Y César no se fue de la compañía porque él estaba en un nivel más alto que ella. Ganaba muy bien dinero y también era un ingeniero. Entonces, like, he wasn't about to leave that for, for her. So, ellos trabajaban en el mismo 
like in the mismo playing field. So, a veces ellos tenían que hacer proyectos juntos. Y por eso, por eso muchas de las veces él tenía contacto con ella directamente. So, she, he didn't, he, aparte de que, you know, he knew where he, she lived, the phone number, any, uh, like, he knew everything. And he knew everything. Yeah. He was still working with her side by side. Y en unas de estas ocasiones, uh, tenían que viajar juntos en, en el mismo carro a, a, a otra parte de la ciudad para, para la otra, like, I guess, the other factory that was on the other side of the, of the city. Y en unas de esas, um, de esos viajes, César le robó el teléfono a Ana y lo abrió y le mandó fotos explícitas que ellos se habían tomado cuando ellos estaban en una relación a Samuel. Y les, le explicaba que, que ellos todavía estaban juntos, que ellos tenían un romance y que él, él era el tercero, básicamente. So he was trying to manipulate the fact that she still had those photos and he could basically tell Samuel that they were still together. Mm -hmm. Luckily, Samuel never really believed Cesar, even through these images and everything. He trusted Ana with the relationship, regardless of whatever happened after they broke up. The whole purpose of uh, Cesar uh, doing these um erratic text messages to Samuel was basically to break them up. He said that he wanted to cause friction between the couple to the point that they would break up and Anna would go back to Cesar. But to me, as a logical thinking person, I'm thinking the last thing she's going to do is go back to you if you're going to go through these loopholes in order yeah. for her to be with you. you Not know? like she left him to go back to Samuel. Exactly. He left, she left you because of everything you were doing. Exactly. Uh, yeah. According to neighbors, on December 15, a day before um, Anna tragically, days before Anna tragically passed away, um, Cesar arrived to her apartment. He went up to her um, door and he started banging on the door, causing a temper tantrum and asking for Anna to talk to him. At this point, Anna has done everything she could. She'd ignored him, she'd blocked him. Anything that she could to avoid him, she would do. But this day, she decided to talk to him. Dice eh, que ella le había comentado a su amiga que ella le iba a hablar con él para ver si con hablar con él, he would stop. So she goes out of the apartment, she talks to Samuel, He begs her. Cesar. I mean, yeah, Cesar, sorry. Mm -hmm. Begs um, Cesar to talk to her, to, um, to get back together. Anna's like, no, I don't want to get back together. I don't want to be in a relationship with you. I'm already in a relationship. This is, this is the end. I don't want to be with you. Based on that rejection, Cesar leaves upset and leaves, on, leaves to his house. Also, to clarify, at this point... Cesar had lost the apartment. So he wasn't living in the same apartment that they had. He ended up moving back in with his parents um, because he couldn't go back to living with his ex-wife. Yeah. So at this point, he went back to live with his parents until he could convince Anna to move in with him in, in a new apartment, basically. Mm -hmm. On December 16, they both attended their 
their um, company's Christmas party, where they were spotted um, to be at the same location, but in different tables. According to sources, they said that they never saw them each other. That maybe they'll, maybe Cesar would bump into her, but they were they were never seen together. So eh, cada quien con su grupo de amigos, basically. Friends of Ana say that they left the location at 3 a.m. Because um, the, the Christmas party was held like in a hotel. They left the hotel at 3 a.m. And they decided to continue the party at a pub nearby. So they went to the pub and they decided, you know, to have fun. I mean, it's like a big group, like a group of them. Yeah, it was like okay. all like it was like her co-workers that were like basically her friends. They decided to go to a pub. They go to the pub and one of the friends who's the designated driver decides to drive everybody home. At this point, it was just her and Anna driving to Anna's apartment. And I mean, I personally do this. Um, and I know that you've done it. And, and, and anybody that I know basically does this. Where we park outside, we see the person that we drop off, walk to their door, and go inside their house. Oh, right? Yeah, just to make sure they're going in. And they're exactly. safe. Exactly. Yeah. That's that safe. Yeah. So Anna's friend parks in front of her apartment complex, says goodbye to Anna, sees Anna go into the doorway of her complex, just sees her pushing the buttons to go into the building, and she decides to leave. During this time, um, they she sees her go into the apartment complex, and that's the last time they see her alive. Hmm. By this time, mind you, it's five in the morning. And that's the last time Anna is seen alive. The next morning on December 16, which is basically, you know, that same day. Basically, the same day, yeah. On December 16, at 8 in the morning, her 18-year-old neighbor discovers her dead body in a pool of blood in front of the elevator. Oh, wow. It happened right when she went in. Yeah. So it's literally, she got out of the car into the apartment complex the doors. door. Uh-huh didn't even make it to her apartment door like her actual apartment she was right at the elevator killed right in front of the elevator waiting for her elevator to go to her apartment i know it's tragic at this time um her 18 year old neighbor called the police and anna was declared dead at the scene investigators um started to cover the crime scene and started to grab evidence from everywhere that was going. They realized that this was a homicide. And um, not just any homicide, but like a crime of passion based on the evidence that was there. The scene was kind of staged to the point where they made it seem like a robbery. But the only thing that was missing in the scene was her cell phone. Her wallet was found next to her with her purse. Inside the wallet, there was her ID, her credit cards, and 30 euros. And she also had a gold watch that had damaged in it. So they realized that there was nothing missing. It wasn't a robbery. Yeah. So they automatically identified it as a homicide. When they started to investigate the scene more, they realized that the watch had damaged almost as if it was being tugged and it, it had damage because of the assault. When they checked back into um, the scene of the crime, 
they realized that she she put on a fight even though there was like no evidence that somebody left any there like any shoe prints or splutter or anything they knew that she had put on a fight because of the damage that was done onto her wristwatch also they realized that she had over 30 punctured wounds in her body and all of the wounds were to her left side of her body with six official um, wounds to the heart. So fue acochillada seis veces al corazón. Y todas las otras um, heridas no fueron profundas. Profundas, okay. That the, the way that they, they imagined the scene was that this person didn't know how to murder how to somebody it. or do it properly. They were very, like, surface level? Yeah. So she had a whole bunch of like bruises and like um, wounds all over her side because the knife never went through skin. So it never actually made like a puncture into her body. That the only reason that she officially died and se desangró fueron las seis apuñaladas al corazón. Like this person had never done this before. Yeah. And the way that he... I guess attacked her was so um, odd. The way that he attacked her was so rapid that he just didn't know where to place the knife. So that's why she had like a whole bunch of stabs everywhere, but they weren't deep. And only the deep ones were in the chest. They also clarified that it was a crime of passion based on the amounts of apuñaladas que le había cometido en en el corazón. Que no era algo de que la atacó randomly and left her there. He, he went straight for the heart. Uh, durante la investigación, la policía empezó a entrevistar a Samuel, a la familia de Ana, los compañeros de trabajo y a sus amigos. Durante la investigación, declararon que la única persona que le pudiera hacer daño a Ana era César. They ruled out Samuel because he wasn't in the city. He was actually like on like a different part of, of, of Spain. So he, he couldn't have done it. And also they were texting throughout the night. So basically he has an alibi that he wasn't even in the city because of, you know, the, the location. location. Yeah. Yeah. On WhatsApp because they were using WhatsApp. So it, it kind of dictated where his location was at. So he was not around her. But... The only person that was going to be able to, like, do anything towards her would be someone. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, César. César, yeah. El 17 de diciembre, las autoridades fueron a la, a, a la residencia de César a buscarlo. Durante este proceso, um, fueron a la casa y encontraron el papá de César. Y le dijeron que César se tiene que ir a la delegación para para retomar sus cuentas de qué estaba haciendo ese día. Pero cuando llegaron a la casa, resulta que César no estaba en casa. César había viajado al otro lado de la ciudad para visitar a sus hijos esa mañana. Dice su papá que él se levantó a las 7 de la mañana, se bañó y se fue. Pero no vio nada de, like, out of the ordinary. Yeah. He just remembered that he was taking a shower early in the morning and he left. Y dice Raquel que él no tuvo 
Porque cuando va a visitar a los niños, tiene que ser like an appointment, basically, 24 hours in advance. He needs to let her know. Yeah. Pero dice que César llegó esa madrugada, que no le había dicho que iba a ir un día anterior, que iba a ir a ver a los niños. Nomás llegó a la casa y se llevó a los niños. He wanted an alibi. He did. So, él decía que él iba a ir a ver a sus hijos, iba a ir a ver a su abuelo y que iba a regresar a la casa. So, hace eso, va a ver sus hijos, va a ver a sus abuelos, deja a los niños y regresa a casa. Cuando regresa a casa, su papá le, dije, le dice, pues tenemos que ir a la delegación, tienes que poner tu, you know, your alibi on what you were doing that day. Uh -huh. Cuando va al, a, a la delegación, les, le empiezan a preguntar que, qué estaba haciendo el día anterior. Y en vez de preguntar que por qué le están preguntando las questions or anything, he just says, I was at the Christmas party and then I came home because I felt sick. That's it. He doesn't ask, why do you want to know what happened? Any sort of like... like why am I here? Yeah. No worries at all. He just was very serious. Very like... No facial expressions or nothing. He just answered, I went to the Christmas party, felt sick, came home. And fell asleep. And then went out to see my kids in the morning. That's all he okay. said. Después de, de salir de la delegación, regresa a casa. Y esa noche, César se corta lo, uh, the wrist and tries to commit suicide. I was not expecting that. Yes, I know. It, it completely out of the norm of something that somebody would do. It, when it, his, that was a shift. It was like a complete just, shift. Wow. Esa tarde, su papá de César habla a la policía y les dice, mi hijo se trató de... Suicidar. La, los oficiales regresan a la casa y ven que dejó una nota para Ana que decía: Ana, perdóname, sabes que te quiero tanto. No lo pude soportar. De acuerdo con el diario crítico, este tipo de comportamiento es habitual dentro del perfil del maltratador. Los expertos aseguran que muchos de los asesinos de sus parejas padecen de una depresión encubierta, no tanto ni reconocida dentro de su entonces social o familiar. So, basically, they get this de depression based on the actions that they commit, but the depression is never seen before the actions but usually right after the murder has been committed. Se muestra incapaz de aceptar la pérdida de su relación o el rechazo sentimental. Es normalmente la sensación de abandono la que descadena la reacción de ira o agresividad, ya sea de perspección de abandono real o imaginario. Parece ser esta sensación de rechazo al motor principal de ataque. Hmm. So, basically what they're trying to say Makes is sense. that that they get this type of depression solely based on the actions that they have done and that they have committed. A ser dado de alta, las autoridades de Vigo arrestaron a César por homicidio, asalto y acoso hacia Ana María en Jamio Carrillo. According to the investigators, 
They reported that Anna, Anna left the Christmas party the way that they were cleaned, that she did leave with her friends and went to a pub. They also said that when she was left at the apartment complex, there's a big probability that Cesar was either hiding outside of the complex or inside behind the staircase uh, that was next to the elevators. They said that either one of those was the um, pinpoint of him going into the apartment and murdering her. That he was just stalking her and waiting to attack. And I mean, he, he, he had the app, so he knew where she was too. Yeah, so he was always like one step ahead, ahead of, of, her. of her. Yeah. They also mentioned that Anna was being stalked by Cesar either outside of the building, right before she went in, way before she even got there. Because her car, her tires wasn't like with her car were slashed. So she wouldn't be able to leave the building. So this was all really premeditated and already planned to have been done. Also, sources say that he left the Christmas party early. So Anna left at three, but he had already left way before that. They also say that he did bump into her and wanted to dance with her. Y ella lo rechazó, which would probably strike up this urge to commit the murder. They said that during the um, altercation, she was caught off guard with based on the stab wounds and how she fell into place in front of the elevator. Also, based on how her watch was um, tarnished, the authorities also realized that when he left the Christmas party, he went back home, changed, went to murder Anna, then went back home, showered, and changed. They also explained that within that time frame, he must have got, got gotten rid of his clothes that he was wearing when he committed the murder and the cell phone at the same time. Because there is no GPS location after the, after the phone was taken away from the apartment complex. According to Samuel, he says that as soon as Anna arrived to the apartment, he saw that her phone was on. And as soon as um, she told him that she had arrived, her phone went off. And then it went back on 20 minutes after she had arrived. So what he says is that during that time, the phone turned off and then turned back on. Yes. And then after that 20-minute period, the phone disappeared because it never turned on again. And that's why, like, he was, like, worried because, I mean, he, she has a stalker and he can't do anything yeah. to protect her. He got rid of the phone. So he, the only contact he had with her was through her yeah. phone and through the WhatsApp app. During the stabbing process, they also said that Anna was definitely tortured before being officially murdered based on the taunting of the scars within her body before being actually stabbed and murdered by the weapon. Basically, throughout her murder, they said that after she was found and after the investigation and when they looked into Cesar's home and his car, they didn't find any trace of blood within the vehicle or within his home. 
They also said they couldn't find the clothes or any bloody items within the washer. So it was really hard for them to pinpoint any evidence towards Cesar. They knew he was the prime suspect, but they didn't have any yeah, proper, proper evidence, evidence to, yeah. to have a case against him. The only real piece of evidence was a speck of blood within his car next to his radio in the dashboard. Okay. And but the letter. It, it, right. it's, it's very tiny. But um, they said that it's evidence enough to show that she was in the vehicle, at least. At, at some point, her blood was in the vehicle. Yeah. During this process, they also test to see if she was sexually abused by him. Because based on certain stalkers, they tend to abuse their vic- victims sexually and then murder them or murder them and then sexually abuse them. Thankfully, she wasn't sexually abused. But it's still, they still didn't have concrete evidence that Cesar was in the crime scene. But the investigators ended up begging Google to release data information on um, Ana's phone. Because Ana, the way that Ana was being stalked, the way that Ana was being controlled and like manipulated by Cesar was through her phone. So the detectives ended up begging Google to release the information on her whereabouts, her Google, her GPS, her text messages, and any sort of evidence she had within her phone that could prove that Cesar was just remotely um, stalking her, basically, or like keeping track of her. Google obliged and they released the information. Thank you, Google. Exactly. With this information, they identified that both Ana and Samuel's phones were in the same location. So both Ana and um, Cesar were both located in the apartment at the same time. time. That's how they could pinpoint that. It was him. It was him. Yeah. The only problem is they don't know where the phone is. To this day, they still don't know where the phone is. They still don't know. Wow. And they also mentioned that Cesar's kind of appeal when it came to the speck of blood was saying that they that Anna and him would still hold sexual relationships in the car and she they would have sex when she was menstruating. And that's why there was that that's speck why of they blood. blood. Yes. But luckily the judge declined that part of the investigation. And still found it as evidence that um, he had her blood in the vehicle, eventually. Basically, in order to, the overall case, in order to close it, the detectives retraced the steps and said that Cesar, in fact, did um, try to make an alibi with, by saying that he was with his kids and went to visit his grandparents and all these things to make it seem like he wasn't part of the murder case. They also found it odd that within the letter that he wrote to Anna right before he tried to commit suicide was, in fact, for a person he already knew that had already passed away. So instead of leaving a note for his parents or for his children, he decided to leave this last, like, manifesto to to somebody that he already knew had passed away. 
So the detectives used that that letter as a form of evidence that he was basically almost confessing to the murder of Anna because of the way that he basically wrote the letter. Overall, the main form of evidence was ghoul. That was basically the, the hard evidence that they had against Cesar. During their whole trial, they brought the ex-wife, the friend of the ex-wife. Everyone. Everybody. They literally yeah. bought, brought so many people to to talk against and for Cesar. It became clear to the, the judge and the jury that he was so obsessed that he started to um, kind of believe his own like makeshift story about it and realized that he wasn't thinking with a clear mind and he's still thinking of her as a as as a partner instead of somebody he was weirdly obsessed over at the end of uh, his trial Cesar um, fue sentenciado a 29 años y 4 meses de cárcel he needs to compensate both the family and her young well, brother for for the damage he had what caused happened? so to his to her parents he owes 87,900 euros for each parent. And for her younger brother, he has to pay 25,400 euros um, for compensation. También le pusieron una restricción de 500 meters so that he could stay away from, from her family for up to 10 years um, after he's, he was released, released from jail. Al final del caso... Los detectives declararon que el crimen contra Ana se llamaba crímenes machistas, que viene siendo un, una práctica o ofensa o comportamiento ofensivo uh, hacia el sexo femenino para marcar una superior sobre la femenina. La, la mujer. La mujer, basically. Uh -huh. um, y con eso concluye el caso de... They gave him 29 years and yeah. four months. Yeah. Oh, so there's a lot against them, though. It I is. mean, Google, thankfully, was the main one. The thing is, with, with, the, the, with, the, with the thing is that they never could find a proper, like, hard evidence yeah. against him. And the hard part was that he, he basically kept it all nice and clean when it came to any sort of evidence. He got rid of everything. He got rid of everything. So they didn't find his clothes, the they phones. They didn't find anything. Wow. It's, it's weird because yeah. they said that the crime scene was really clean to the point that they couldn't find any sort of evidence. No fingerprints, no nothing. No tenía cámaras tampoco? No. Nope. Even the neighbors, um, when when they, the investigators interviewed the neighbors, the neighbors said that they didn't hear anything, that they heard a girl yelling but they didn't find it alarming, basically. Hmm. And they didn't do anything to to stop it. So it, it's definitely one of those cases that you're like, again, you see something, you say something. But also, eh, how can you prevent something like that, you know? I mean, and the neighbors, I mean, si escuchó nada más un grito. I mean... Maybe they're like, oh, was it a cross? Was it somewhere else? Or mm -hmm. that was weird. Like, maybe they pay more attention. Ya no escucharon nada. Y a lo mejor dijeron, no, pues no fue nada. Maybe it was nothing. Maybe somebody's watching a movie here. 
Yeah, pero, pero igual es a las 5 de la mañana, a las 6 de la mañana. True. Es como que, I mean, by that time you kind of are like weirded out, like, hey, something happened. Man, this is why apartment complexes should have securities. Yeah, camera in the, in the entrance. I'm surprised that they didn't, though. Because according to, like, uh, the articles and everything, there was no evidence. They didn't see anything. Nobody saw anything. Even the security mm -hmm. guard that's supposed to be taking care of the apartment complex said that they, he didn't see they anything. They had a security guard? They said that he, that he there was a security guard there, and he didn't see anything. Like, not in the front door, but he uh -huh. was, like, doing his rounds. And he didn't see anything. That's weird. Entonces, I mean, llegó a las cinco. Yeah. Y a las ocho de la mañana la muchacha la encontró. Mm -hmm. Son esas tres horas, él no pasó por el elevador. Mm -hmm. Like, that's why it's, like, such a weird case. Because it's in, it's such a short time. All these things happen and nobody even seen anything. The only one that was witness to it was an 18-year-old boy that just came across it because he was coming down the elevator. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. Just that image. Exactly. Imagínate bajar del elevador y ver eso. Exactly. Ver el cuerpo de alguien. Wow. Yeah. I mean, like, even, like, it just... I mean, because in L.A., a lot of people live in apartments and stuff. So just the thought of, like, you minding your own business on a Sunday morning, you know, leaving your apartment and you, bam, you just you see, a you see your dead body. It's just this whole thing with stalking, too. It's terrifying. You, you need to report it. Yeah. It's you need to report. Like, if you're being stalked by someone, you need to you need to share this to the authorities. Exactly. It's Don't like, stay quiet. No, no, porque oh no me pegó, or he wasn't, or he or she wasn't physically aggressive towards me, just because it could happen to a woman or yeah. a, or a man yeah. or a man, just because they're not being physically aggressive or doing something physical to you does not mean that does not qualify as mm -hmm. being a stalker. They're yeah. stalking you. They're he was literally That's checking okay. up for every yes. move. And it's like, you have enough evidence to show that this man was stalking you. Like, you have evidence from, like, neighbors. Like, they heard you guys fighting all the time. Like, you have witnesses to everything. Like, how much more evidence do you need? Yeah. This was an intense case. It was. Um, and, uh... Pobreana. Yeah, Pobreana, like, it, it definitely, she, her life was cut short right when it she was. was, like, starting to live it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, this is, we'd like to hear from you guys when it comes to, um, stalking. Um, maybe you've had any experiences on it. Um, if you have any resources for any victims that have been, um, affected by stalking, um, let us know. Um, we would like to share the information with with people that um want to listen to this podcast and um yeah we want to hear your opinion on uh what you think about this case and um how bizarre it is that google basically solved a, a murder case for a young woman i'm glad that they responded quick exactly it's it's one of those things that's like if it wasn't for them he would have still been out he would have he would have gone free But, uh, yeah, let us know what you think. Um, send us a message or leave us a comment um, on our Twitter or Facebook 
our Instagram or even our TikTok. Um, our username on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok is at SVSM underscore podcast. And for Facebook, it's Sovinito Sermacabro Podcast. And um, yeah, um, look out for polls that we're going to do on our Spotify and our Instagram stories if you want to interact with that. Um, and yeah, we, we can't wait to hear from you guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Facebook.